When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. On our podcast today, we're going to take you to a small little slice of Muskegon and examine the history that this once separate region held and its unique story. Today, we look at the aptly named area known as Pinchtown. The area that our story today is set in is a small triangular piece of land about 40 acres large. This land is located on the border between the current Nims neighborhood and Lakeside. It is bordered on the west and south side by Rudiman Creek and the surrounding woods, to the northwest by Lakeshore Drive, and to the north side by Lakedon Avenue, with the east side of the area backing up to Muskegon Catholic Schools land. If you know where Wasman Floral is, that is the area that I'm talking about, an area known as Pinchtown. If you look at a map of the area, it quickly becomes apparent from its isolated geography exactly where we're looking at today. Now that its location is squared away, let's talk a bit about how Pinchtown came to be and receive its nickname. The area was first platted by William Rudiman in 1873, who divided it up. Rudiman owned a sawmill on what would become Rudiman Creek, and also owned a farm on the southeast side of the property. The area was first called Rudiman's Addition, and was more formally known as that until it was incorporated into the city of Muskegon. It also carried the name Lakeview to distinguish it from its neighbor, Lakeside. However, James Robinson, a Muskegon Township clerk, resident, and saloon owner in the area, suggested the name Pinchtown as the area was pinched in between Muskegon and Lakeside, which at the time were separate entities. It would later be pinched between two chunks of the city of Muskegon. This descriptive nickname stuck and became the common name to refer to the area as. From the start, Pinchtown and its residents developed a strong-willed independence. Not belonging to Muskegon or Lakeside, they were part of the Muskegon Township governing body, and this gave them a lot more flexibility in the rules than the two neighboring cities had. Not wanting to let this advantage go to waste, many residents cashed in on this governing body difference. James Robinson, mentioned earlier, was one of those. He would open up the Lakeview Saloon, a popular drinking destination, but also place to take in cockfights, dogfights, or a holds bar boxing match, and to gamble the night away, of course. Activities outlawed in both nearby Lakeside and Muskegon. It was this more laxed rules approach that made Pinchtown a popular destination for those in Muskegon looking for a rowdy good time, a place where literally going across the street meant you were under a different set of rules and laws. Pinchtown, practically being surrounded by two different cities, also meant that for the sheriff, it was quite a ways out of the way, and thus it wasn't patrolled much. Pinchtown would also develop its own school to teach pupils living in the area, and organize its own volunteer firefighting force. In 1889, there were around 600 residents living there, so it was a decent-sized community. While they had a volunteer fire force with buckets, in case of emergency, the city of Muskegon's fire department would respond for fires even though they had no requirement to do so. However, with city property just across the street, 
it did make sense to try and control the flames as soon as possible before they spread. This would be a sticking point later on, though, which we'll get to. In 1889, the city of Muskegon would annex the areas of Port Sherman, Bluffton, and Lakeside, with this new area becoming the 8th ward of the city of Muskegon. The 7th ward would include the Nims neighborhood area, and sandwiched right between them in a little peninsula was Pinchtown, now pinched between two sides of the city of Muskegon. When discussion was arising about annexing the other areas, Pinchtown was mentioned, and everyone at the city of Muskegon meetings thought it was a no-brainer to include Pinchtown in the annexation. However, Muskegon Township and many residents of Pinchtown had different ideas. This independence that Pinchtown residents were used to was hard to give up, and they didn't like the city trying to force the annexation on them. Newcomb McGrath, who bought much of the land along Rudderman Creek owned previously by the Rudimans, would argue in favor of Pinchtown's annexation in the months following the inclusion of Lakeside. And I must say, he does make some rather valid points. His points included that you had to travel through Pinchtown to get between the 7th and 8th districts of Muskegon, making the city disjointed. The utilities provided by the city, including water and electric lights, had to run through Pinchtown to reach the 8th ward in Lakeside and that the residents of Pinchtown, while they didn't have directly control over these lights or water, received ambient lighting from nearby city lights, lighting up areas that they didn't pay for. They also could potentially tap into the water and not pay for it, although this would have been illegal. If the city wanted to pave the roads between the 7th and 8th wards to make it easier for city residents, they had to get permission from Pinchtown to do this. That paved road would benefit the residents of Pinchtown, but since they weren't residents of the city of Muskegon, they wouldn't have to pay for it. He also mentioned that numerous times, the fire department from Muskegon responded to fires in Pinchtown, even though its residents didn't pay for that fire service like the city residents did. Lastly, he argued that most residents of Pinchtown worked in the city and sold their products there, so there was no reason not to include them in the city and get their tax revenue. Residents' main counter was that it would be unfair to raise their taxes this large hike, and that legally the city couldn't just devote to annex them without their say-so. For this initial round of arguments, the residents of Pinchtown won and maintained their independence. However, as Newcomb McGrath had mentioned, the residents did indeed take advantage of some of these city services. In particular, I found out that many Pinchtown residents had their mail delivered to friends in the surrounding Muskegon neighborhoods, who would then walk it across the street to Pinchtown, as otherwise the township mail service was far slower. This was discovered when eventually Pinchtown was annexed into the city, and no extra mail carriers were required, as they had already been carrying most of the mail for Pinchtown residents anyway. Pinchtown remained free of the city for a while, but in the end it just made sense to be a part of Muskegon. So in 1895, arguments were brought up again to annex Pinchtown. Muskegon Township tried to argue against it, but ultimately would fail, and on March 12, 1895, the annexation was announced. This came six years after its neighbors had joined the city, and Pinchtown had been squeezed in the middle of the city of Muskegon. The independent streak, though, of its residents did not end with this annexation. The largest issue that resulted from the annexation was the Pinchtown School which had served that community. When Pinchtown joined Muskegon, the residents didn't want to be a part of the Muskegon Public Schools system and wanted to maintain their own school. They thought that if they joined Muskegon Public Schools, their school would be closed down and students sent to further off schools, and they didn't want their students to have to travel over a mile to get to the nearest school. 
They also didn't want to be under the ownership of the Muskegon Public School Board and their system. After several legal battles, the school did stay operating and in 1895 had two teachers with 11 pupils, with many of the other students indeed going to Muskegon Public Schools despite the distance they had to travel. In 1896, they had one teacher in the school, and later in that year, the school was acquired by Muskegon Public Schools, who paid off its $217 debt and operated it the following year before closing it down and consolidating its students into other nearby schools. Following 1897, the identity of Pinchtown slowly started to erode, and as the new century turned, the area was still referred to as Pinchtown occasionally, but they were more often getting lumped into General Muskegon. If you visit the Pinchtown area today, you may be able to find its historical marker which tells the history of this small community. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to have you back again in another two weeks for our next episode. 